Hi, I'm Maeve Doyle, and you're listening to A Private View. On today's show, I have Yuki Aruga, a painter, a taxidermist, a sculptor. I think she makes films. Uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation, and uh, welcome to A Private View, Yuki. Thanks for having me. Should we go right into it? Yeah. You tell us about who you are and what you do. I suppose I'm predominantly a painter, but I would say that I'm also, I also make sculpture, um, and like you mentioned, the taxidermy, um, whatever an idea calls for, really. What was startling to me is how diverse your practice is. I knew your work that was sort of uh, layers of layers of layers of beautiful painting of, of what looked like Dutch still life. Uh, but then when I went deeper into your practice, I know that you've been through sculpture, you work with taxidermy, you worked as a taxidermist. Uh, you said that your fridge is full of animals, <laughs> animals yeah. you've found. I think you've made films. So this exploration goes everywhere. How does the medium affect? Some um, are really quick, some take longer. Yeah, painting takes me a lot longer because of the way I work. Obviously, like films, much quicker. But I, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a filmmaker of or anything like that or even a taxidermist they are kind of um just ways of communicating a particular idea um i suppose i i visualize my ideas and whatever media feels right for that idea then i'll i'll go with that so that's why my work kind of covers different ways of working it's it's as though you're trying to fix things in time, fix moments <laughs> yeah. in time, or hold a moment in the light so it can be looked at over and over again. Yeah. Um, and your paintings and your sculpture and your film, although they may on the surface look different, they do seem to all look at the space between when something's alive and when the spirit leaves the body or the plant or the animal. Yeah. Yeah, um, that came about mostly during my second year in my during my degree at Camberwell, uh, when my grandmother died. Um, just before that, uh, I was making these really strange um, monkeys out of fur scraps and polymer clay, and um, I sort of realised that I was either making very creepy toys or doing something similar to taxidermy, and then found out about the courses in Yorkshire uh, that I went to and yeah ended up assisting the taxidermist for a little while and yeah that's how the taxidermy came into my work um lost my train of thought no you're (laughs) on your train of thought but your train of thought's trying to kind of it's a bit of longing and sadness and and getting through life without forgetting about people who were once mm. here and yeah. and that's why you mentioned your grandmother before you talked about the crafts that you started to learn after she passed away yeah the art is a form of therapy for you yeah but in a sense it is then you're doing the work for me too yeah it's something universal like the experience of seeing someone pass away or losing someone that you've really loved or yeah and if it seems ambiguous or that like you're losing your thoughts it's because it is ambiguous (laughs) these are the (laughs) yeah when you're talking about these things it's just out of reach and you got it for a little while and then it's gone that was beautifully put it is just out of reach and you think you get it and you haven't i'm guessing (laughs) that's why you work so feverishly to, Mm -hmm. to to get to the point where you have that moment of understanding again of what it is 
in between sleep and waking, what it is between life and death, what it is between one culture and another, what it is to be born. Yeah. It does go back to the longing thing that you mentioned. What was your early life like? And when did you realize you were going to be an artist? I was thinking about that. (laughs) (laughs) I was really young. Um, I was was such a painfully shy and quiet child, Um, always drawing and making stuff. Um, And I (laughs) I remember drawing a dinosaur on a desk at school. And everyone commented on how good it was. <laughs> so I decided then that I was going to be an artist. And I think I was about four or five at the time. Um, and I, I grew up in Essex by the sea. And we always saw artists painting um, like planner out by the sea. And I kind of thought that that was something I wanted to do. Have a beach hut and paint the boats that were sort of stuck in the mud when the tide had gone out and things like that. Um, and my dad was a joiner and I used to go with him at the weekends to the wood workshop, um, building stuff out of wood. And yeah, so that kind of really had quite an impact, I suppose, when I was really little. And then I was lucky enough to have really great art teachers and even when I drew the dinosaur on the desk (laughs) um, had this great art teacher called Mrs O'Toole and she used to teach arts and crafts to us I think it must have been like once a week or something and in the summer she'd have these adult classes um, in painting like watercolour painting and I remember one summer going to her house being dropped off there and sitting with all these (laughs) adults um, painting a bowl of fruit and How yeah. old were you if they were all adults? At that school, I was four, and I left when I was about five or six. So I must have been five or six. And they let four. you paint with all the adults. Yeah. Mrs. O'Toole, she yeah, said, she, so was she great. saw something. She just sort of took me in under her wing, I suppose. But um, yeah, she was, I still think about her, which is very bizarre. <laughs> um, yeah, she had a massive impact on me when I was little. Sometimes you just need one person to believe in you. Yeah, but I was lucky enough to have great art teachers throughout school and uh, and university, actually, that were really encouraging. So, um, yeah, that, that kind of left a bit of a mark on me, I suppose. And so as I got through school and then um, we moved a, a couple of times Um, during my adolescence and I became really ill with an eating disorder and then I had that kind of um, that I suppose it's a sort of disconnect between your mind and your body which I already kind of had before being one of very few mixed race children at school Um, and I I suppose the work definitely became a way of and being a shy and very, very quiet child um, I was kind of an observer, as I think most people are, if they are, if they're shy and quiet. Um, and then having the eating disorder, I kind of retreated from everything, went really like into myself, and just spent all my time in the art room at school. Um, and yeah, art. I think at that point, so sort of late teens. 
uh, definitely became you know, yeah a way of like communicating and working through quite complex and deep thoughts and issues and um, connecting yeah or trying to sort of reconnect in a way um, and then that kind of continued through my degree um, and then it was like, come back to my grandmother like when she passed away and, and being there to see that and then another kind of this other layer to that mind body and, and this kind of spirit kind of feeling um, like seeing that moment of someone passing away was just so bizarre and yeah, profound very profound um, and hard to explain and articulate yeah and and really took up a lot of my headspace so it was kind of it same with the eating disorder as well it, it kind of um it's going to come out in the work because it's so you're so kind of occupied by that and those thoughts how does it come out in the work um so yeah i was sort of saying about the taxidermy before it i think taxidermy felt a little bit like yeah the body appearing hollow when something passes away and when you're doing taxidermy very much like removing that and and giving this other life that you're only taking well, i won't go into the process of it but you're only taking the the very outer part of that body and making it appear full and, and where and did alive. the rest go that's the big question <laughs> yeah that's the haunt that's what's haunting you yeah where did it go yeah yeah, and what is that? <laughs> and what is that? <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I was also making, um, well, the, with the taxidermy, I'd have fresh flowers as well. And then um, as I documented those, they would, so the fresh flowers would rot down and die. And um, yeah, and it was in the documenting of those sort of sculptures or installations, really, um, that I felt like I really enjoyed things that were in darkness because of the way I photographed them um, and then that fed into my paintings and then also this idea of things floating and being kind of in or like the void I suppose um, and that in between sort of space and that in between space is philosophical as well as visual that, that sort of negative space is something that also occupies your thought and your creative process yeah so on my MA I kind of um, started to look a bit more into that but in conjunction with my heritage like with my Japanese and British kind of heritage um, and looking into East Asian kind of aesthetics and this Japanese concept of Ma and that kind of negative space um and also into religion, um, like Buddhism and Christianity and how they've affected um, art and culture throughout history, um, which is very broad, really. Um, well, the one thing religion has is an understanding of how powerful signifiers and symbols are. So I'm I also find it a great place to kind of brush up on your visual language yeah. and develop your visual language. So yeah. I'm not surprised that that you stopped off in Christianity and Buddhism. And yeah, yeah, because I, I I draw from kind of obviously like Dutch still life paintings and 
the Baroque I find really interesting and that was all kind of backed by like a, a Catholic church um, and where everything is symbolic visually yeah. symbolic yeah yeah I think if I were to interpret all the religions that are essentially founded on similar principles mm. it's just they come Very. out differently yeah yeah and you're looking exactly. for the things that connects yeah them, and trying to strip it all back yeah yeah and then trying to fathom out like my own aesthetic and where that sits and it is kind of in between the two which um, speaks to you being mixed heritage which exactly. speaks to you finding a space between being japanese and being british yeah which speaks to the division between mind and body yeah so these splits yeah. in things are, are throughout everything you do mm-hmm. yeah also, like, I think the thing that brought it together for me in my research was um, Homi Baba and his kind of theory of the third space and it, that being this, yeah, liminal space where cultures can come together um, and make something new, like a hybrid, basically. And I don't, <laughs> I don't mean me <laughs> being a hybrid. Um, so my paintings have become these amalgamations of natural elements and then they sort of float and they're suspended in this dark void which is basically in the end I kind of felt a metaphor for my mixed heritage and and that third space where two cultures have come together and at the talk the other day I sort of mentioned uh, mixed race theory um, and that they kind of um, revolve around this idea of someone who is mixed race quite often feeling as if they're on this sliding scale between their um, their parentage or between the cultures that they have had experience of. So they kind of exist. So for me, existing between Britain and Japan and depending on the circumstances kind of feeling more one than the other so you're always kind of drifting between the two you're not exactly like one or the other and, so and fi- in between and, space yeah and trying to find the the strength and power in that because wherever you go people will say no where where are you really from yeah <laughs> yeah that's always bothered me for a long time it's only re- I think on the MA I think I've really kind of um, made my peace with that actually yeah. I think maybe the world is also coming to a different yeah. understanding of that being a great place to yeah. be yeah flag waving and national yeah. identity isn't yeah. as celebrated as it used to be there's problems within yeah. it's great to be proud of where you were born but there's more to the story than that and yeah I think the world is hopefully catching up with you yeah how is your studio practice how, how do you work um, what's an integral part of your practice is there anything that's a ritual that you do before you start working or is it are you the kind of person who avoids habits altogether so my process begins with uh, making well for paintings at least I'll make like a small thumbnail drawing of a basic composition of something that I've already kind of visualized in my mind anyway Um, and then I'll make a collage on my computer so it's like a digital version of the work and then I'll work from that like the the painting will be of that 
basically. Um, but the, I suppose it's my favourite part of my habit or my ritual in the studio is getting the canvases prepared. And I spend <laughs> days <laughs> sanding everything um, so the, the, the canvas surface is really smooth. Um, so I size everything, prime it, um, put the ground colour down, um, and then transfer a drawing, and then begin painting. Um, but yeah, it's the sanding part that's quite meditative, and um, yeah. Why the Tondos? Uh, Tondos is a round canvas, if anyone... Yeah, there, yeah. There's a what's the round? I know it's not coincidence. Mm. Um, so I think there's this kind of cyclical element to my work. Um, that's why I have. I don't know if you noticed in some of my more recent paintings, I have these kind of um, circles and spheres um, that are in the background, kind of floating. I'm not superstitious, but circles are very much a part of my work and. Um, one thing that I am interested in is this idea of samsara so that kind of um, rebirth kind of life death rebirth kind of cycle um, yeah do you believe in reincarnation? Mm, no I don't think so the afterlife? I'm not sure well, I mean I believe that we come back in terms of we break down and then we become part of other things so I suppose that's a kind of rebirth in a sense I don't know forever hopeful <laughs> what what artists do you like what artists influence your work who do you look at um, I love Mark Rothko's work yeah um, and Miroslav Balka did you ever see that piece at the Tate Modern? Mm, I don't know. It was like, um, I suppose it looked a little bit like a shipping container. This huge, dark, yeah, massive, dark container. And you walked up a slope into just a huge square of darkness. So dark. <laughs> and you walk to the end. And as you approach the end, you can sort of see faces and I didn't figures appearing at the back. It was amazing. And then you stand, you know, you'll stand at the back and turn around and then you can see all these silhouettes kind of walking towards you, all the people that are, you know, walking into the container, basically. Yeah, it was really amazing. And I think that was another moment of realising how much um, things shrouded in darkness, really, um, like how much I enjoy that and this... I suppose it's the this shy child in me wanting to be invisible. When you're in the dark, you can you can observe and you connect very much with your body. I think, um, yeah. What is art for? Mm. Human connection, essentially. Um, for me. It's been a tonic for various times in my life. Um, and I think it's through making the work that it kind of brings about conversations with people where you can kind of connect with them 
because the work's resonated there's something about it that's resonated with them um yeah it does bring about quite genuine connections with people i think i think that's what it is for me at least yeah, i think so too i think it, you can talk about things you couldn't you might have to know someone for decades before you have the kind of conversations you have yeah. when you're looking at a painting with a person yeah. or a sculpture or an installation yeah fast tracks it to critical yeah yeah big I, questions yeah i think being i'm not sure so much now but being quite quiet and shy it it's been my voice kind of um so it has been definitely a a way of speaking if anyone would like to see Yuki's work, there's a piece called Echo that's up in the Best of British show at Maddox Gallery in Westbourne Grove. Mm-hmm. Will you be there? Yes. Yeah, Perfect. Yuki Aruga, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. I am an art critic and artistic director at Maddox Gallery. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Korshid Homi. Thank you for listening.